Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer and editor in Los Angeles, and this week I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts. I'm Hui Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. The secret basket ingredient is friendship. <laughs> well, we're talking about food shows today, but not totally um, limited to the ones on TV. Actually, we're going to be focusing more on the food shows that have kind of taken the internet by storm. And that includes um, shows like Bon Appetit, that, like the ones on Bon Appetit, Epicurious, Tasty, BuzzFeed, all that kind of stuff that have uh, really captured the internet imagination and uh, uh, kind of embodied the nice core uh, trend that has taken place in the past couple of years. We teased this a couple, uh, last week uh, in our, what did we talk about last week? Um, our, our Netflix reality show. Uh, our episode. Netflix reality shows uh, discussion. We talked about the food shows that we so adore uh, to watch on YouTube and the internet and all that things. And um, we're gonna be we're gonna give a spotlight to those uh, internet shows and why they're so popular and why we love them so much. So um, as uh, the one person here who like who likes Bon Appetit but isn't like a major Bon Appetit fan, I am gonna give. Uh, the floor to Willoughby, the major Bon Appetit fan here. I mean, I'd say Anya is also a pretty big Bon Appetit fan, but no. no. I, I mean, we've talked I, about I, it. I, no, I watch their videos occasionally, and like I know who Claire is and stuff, and I really like her, but like I'm not like an avid Bon Appetit watcher. Um, Do they have my, like a my... fan name? They should be like the the Boners. No, <laughs> can't do that. Anyway, I am here to sell you guys on becoming Bon Appetit nice Cinematic Universe. Uh, we are, this is nice core. This is nice core. This is PG. Uh, no, uh, we're, I, I, the Bon Appetit Test Kitchen, a.k.a. the Bon Appetit Cinematic Universe, um, they are so good, so great. I've, we've talked about them before. Um, and I am here to sell you guys on the, on the idea of watching them as much as I do. Uh, because... The shows are so like you have these great personal like great diverse personalities on Bon Appetit, uh, the YouTube channel, and they they basically just like have fun in the test kitchen like doing different things. Like you have Brad Leone who is like uh, uh, he's he's in in uh, the host of It's Alive, and he tries to do like a lot of like. Um, like alternative food cooking stuff and he's but he's also got like the chaotic energy of like a like a 20 year old bro but he's also like like cool and stuff he's not douchey and then you've got claire sapitz who's like the like the internet's like latest like uh like a lady crush and she's so great um and she does the gourmet makes show and where she tries to make uh junk food into gourmet versions and it's one of the some of the most fascinating tele, uh, internet television um and you've got chris morocco who can like smell something and literally like come back to it and like uh, understand everything about the, the 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 dish and like he tastes it his, his palate's like super intense and so he's got a show where he uh, uh can only taste and smell something and feel it and he can't but he can't see it and so he has to and then he has to recreate it um, and so he's like done that with a bunch of like like famous chef uh, foods. 
Um, and then they got a bunch of other folks. And the what, but then they all like interact with each other on other different shows, which is why people call it like the cinematic universe because like they sort of show pop up in different versions because they're all working in the test kitchen. But the the they're like it's compelling, but also funny and also like like nice core like everyone seems to be like having fun with each other there's just like such a great attitude throughout all the different test kitchen chefs and like they just have like a great vibe and i think that that's why a lot of people like i mean each each video gets like over especially gourmet makes gets over like a million downloads like within a day or not downloads uh views and so bon appetit is just so really really cool and like the the whole idea of like deconstructing food and making something different seeing something you've never seen before they have one they have like a series where they just like um like blind taste test ice cream and they try to figure out like what brand it is and what flavor it is and like if they can get both they get like extra points on this like made-up game um and they, and, they, and they have like making perfect which is like all the test kitchens come together all the test kitchen chefs come together and pair off or do their own thing to create like the first season was the perfect pizza and then the second season was the perfect thanksgiving dinner and so you had like they all like did their own like part of of the meal or the dinner of the di- dinner and they would come back and like cook it all and it was like this fun like avengers style like everyone comes together for the big team up of like this meal and it like was so cool and very compelling fun uh it and just like you can put it on the background or you can pay attention to it doesn't matter like you're gonna have fun either way and, and i just feel like the the like i don't like the, the oh i don't know if i'm oh i'm not over hyping bon appetit because i feel like it they live up to the hype of like what, how everyone talks about them um and it's just you know it i i know you, you know when a show is really good when there's like out of context twitter uh, accounts created for it because like, you can just sort of like pick apart like a like a like a like a someone like a line of dialogue or like a moment and it's just like it stands on its own and I feel like Bon Appetit does that really well um, and it's like it's about the food but it's also about the test kitchen chefs like they're they're compelling enough people like like fun enough to like watch like sometimes like sometimes you're the like hosts of shows are just like, well, I'm not really here for the people. I'm here for the food, but I feel like for Bon Appetit, you're here for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along with way. I'd People say that Bon Appetit, Appetit is definitely leading the charge in terms of sort of internet food shows that highlight both the food as well as the personalities. And it, it basically is like a perfect combination of like that YouTube personality with the sort of almost calming nature of the food, um, shows of YouTube. It's kind of funny because it's very opposing to uh, food reality shows on TV, which are very much about the action and the drama. And here it's just about people wanting to learn how to make this kind of dish or people wanting to know more about food. And it's an appreciation of the food, which I really like. As It's like more laid back, like your friend kind of talking to you through a recipe, which I really enjoy. Um, but um, I have to say, I I do like a couple Bon Appetit uh, sh- like shows, and I've watched a couple of videos mostly for like recipe um, tips and everything. Uh, I watch a lot of I think her name is Molly because she makes a lot of good uh, pasta dishes, and I'm like, oh, okay, good good yeah, good tips. Molly's cool. Yeah, uh, but I will say like I actually really enjoy the BuzzFeed. Um, food shows on Tasty. So we have shows like Ray, who does Make It Fancy, which is when she takes a sort of uh, instant or fast food and turns it into like a uh, three-course 
fancy meal like she did with ramen she made like this really fancy sort of like high-end meal and she does that with like all sorts of things and there's another show uh where i forgot her name but she like will um cook uh another three-course meal out of uh, various appliances that get voted on so she'll like try to make a a meal with uh, just a a microwave or with an iron because like people were like do it with an iron and she was like i will try so it's literally fun and um yeah i, I love i really like tasty shows because it is a little bit more sort of flashy i think than bon appetit but they do have similar concepts in terms of just like making the personalities shine as well as the food and like sort of really funny premises like i think there's one where there, there's this one guy who just like makes big food and that's always really fun and um another show where they try to make viral recipes uh as well as um i really like what's her name i think it's alex who will do like behind the scenes of like uh of how she makes actual dishes and she shows like all her failures and stuff and she's really sweet and charming so i just want to give a shout out to tasty um who have been doing good work for quite a while and have just like really great uh, videos and content out of that. Um, as well as I've been really liking Epicurious a lot lately because they've been doing this really fun premise. Um, well, first their, their main show is uh, 50 People Try Something. And it's often really almost therapeutic to see people who are not as adept at cooking or even less adept at cooking than I am. For example, 50 people try to... Uh, separate an egg and there was one guy who just broke an egg on the um the cutting board and then like took a knife and, and tried to separate it like that and uh it's it's fun to see people incompetent but then they have much more wholesome shows like um three three levels of cooking so they have like a, a amateur chef a level two chef and then a pro chef all make the same dish and there's like different versions of it and it's always really fun to see how they put their own spins on things um and out of that have like they've become really per personalities that have become kind of viral like there's this one guy who everyone calls the pink shirt guy because he always wears a pink shirt and he's always very knowledgeable and then there's lorenzo the happiest guy on earth who just smiles and laughs through everything so epicurious is a lot of fun and even some of the amateur chefs like there's this one woman, Emily, who always puts ketchup in with many of her dishes, and people call her the ketchup monster, and she, she also knows it, so it's really fun. And uh, there is a guy uh, named Steven who has gone become infamous for putting half a cheesecake in his pancake batter when trying to make pancakes. So <laughs> it's really fun. It's like a fun sort of not as um, professional show, I think, as like Bon Appetit. Like it isn't quite as like gelled together, but because of like the – the the popularity of some of like the people who re regularly return has become sort of a nice little um, mainstay in my YouTube uh, rotation. So uh, I've talked a little bit about my favorite ones, as and Willoughby has talked about Bon Appetit. Anya, what about you? Like, what are your favorite food um, YouTube shows or food internet shows? Well, none really. Um, <gasps> I am not really on the food youtube train yet um and it's not for a lack of like it's not i have nothing against them i just kind of haven't gotten to them yet um i will say i've watched a handful of bon appetit videos my favorites are definitely claire's videos and also the ones where they do the back-to-back -back with the celebrities oh those are fun um, yeah because those are really fun i love those um but i haven't quite like uh 
dove, like dive fully deep into the cinematic universe of Bon Appetit. Um, I'll watch Tasty for like recipes mostly. Um, but I am still very much just like a TV show food person. Um, but for similar reasons to what Willoughby was stating, um, something you stated really resonated with me, Willoughby, and that like part of the people, part of the reason people love Bon Appetit is because of the people in the videos and not just about the food. Um, and I find that to be true for myself as well. I'm I'm less interested in shows like Chopped and things these days because like the like kind of one episode competition is less appealing to me. But some of my favorite favorite cooking shows are Great British Bake Off um, and Master Chef Junior, which my roommate and I lovingly call Baby Chef. Um, and that's because those two shows specifically are kind of like nice core food shows. But like Willoughby said, it's this—it's the same people for an entire season, so you kind of get to know them. Um, and it's about the food as much as it's about the, the human beings cooking the food um, and kind of the bonds they create and the, the growth they go through. So for me, like Great British Bake Off and Baby Chef um, are just really like pure and good because it's people who just love cooking and you get to see them become better cooks over the course of a season and you have fun hosts and judges. And like I sort of mini ranted about last week, but I really love Gordon Ramsay and he's so good with children and it's like the purest thing you will ever see. It's just so adorable. And like that really peak nice core. Um, So yeah. Speaking of Gordon Ramsay, uh, I had a really interesting sort of thought recently because I was watching, for some reason, I was watching a bunch of Gordon Ramsay clips on YouTube of just like his old shows, Hell's Kitchen and um, Kitchen Nightmares and that kind of stuff, which are fun, but like, you know, very much of the American reality TV dramatic. Uh, so occasionally one of the old Kitchen Nightmares from his, the British side will pop up and it's just so funny to see the contrast between the calm, more documentary style t- uh, approach that the British version takes versus the American, which is like a lot of zoom ins and everything like that. And there was a clip, I think, uploaded by uh, uh, the the uh, Hell's Kitchen account that was, you know, made back when Hell's Kitchen was like at its prime during the mid-2000s and stuff. And it was just... Gordon Ramsay teaching people how to cook a steak. And it's somewhat similar to the shows that you'll see, like the videos you see on YouTube, like how to cook a steak. But the editing is so dramatically different. Like there's so so many zoom-ins and it was so dramatic and wild and chaotic. And I'm like, I just want to know how to cook the steak. Like you don't you don't need to it's do like all the, these, uh, these things. It's like the uh, sort of like the general complaint meme of like I just want to get to the recipe yeah on like a food blog <laughs> yeah and it's just so funny to see the difference now with like when you watch a video on YouTube of how to cook a steak often you'll get like calming music and the overhead shot or like the really close-up shot and they're just like calmly cooking the steak and you're like this is so nice I feel like I can cook a steak now and then Gordon Ramsay's like you're like I don't know if I ever want to cook a steak again <laughs> so right, it's just really right. funny the thing with Gordon Ramsay is that like Right, he got that reputation of being like of being mean and yelling at people, but that's because of like the shows that they kind of started him out on the UK, mm-hmm. um, like Kitchen Nightmares and things like that, or like Hell's Kitchen or whatever. And it's like not who he really is, because mm-hmm. like even people will talk all the time about how he's like really good on MasterChef Junior with the kids, but he's equally as good on MasterChef with the adults. It it's he only really 
gets mad at adults when they're just being idiots and like not listening and, you know, clearly, you know, thinking that they have nothing to learn. And, you know, understandably, Gordon gets a little frustrated with that, but like he's really good with the adults too and very encouraging. And I find him to be just a very like, actually like a positive yeah. guy in this world. I, I think um, it was, uh, I think it's definitely like a, because of the editing because it is also in contrast to the more recent videos that Gordon Ramsay has put out of like how to for example debone a fish and it's filmed much more calmly and less chaotic and it's just uh it's very funny that the reality show uh version of 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 editing videos was just so insane just like 10 years ago and I think even now like reality shows on tv are starting to take note of how shows on youtube and videos on youtube are doing that like asmr and just like calm vi- yeah. food videos have really taken off. Like, um, as part from some of the shows that I watch on, like Epicurious and um, and Tasty, and some of the videos I watch on on uh, Bon Appetit, I really enjoy just videos from random YouTubers making meals and uh, cooking. And just I sometimes I'll take like food tips and like recipe ideas from them. But a lot of the time it's just the the calm atmosphere. So I think there's a lot of a Korean. Uh, channels actually and they always have like a similar sort of soothing thing where they have like these this tinkling music in the background it's really naturally lit very um aesthetically pleasing um shots and do they just go about their day and you see a lot of close-ups and you don't ever see them on camera it's just the food or them cooking and uh, i find that really calming and um just like almost aspirational in a way like there's this one uh the channel I watch, which is um, uh, what I eat in a day or something. And, uh, or no, it's like, well, like there's one that's like what one meal a day, which is really fun because it's just like really short and fast meals uh, that are all Korean, but then like it's just his hands and stuff. And like it's really nice. And there's, um, yeah, the what and I eat in, eat in a day one, which is just kind of this whole day of really simple meals and really beautiful music and she has coffee every morning and the dog that shows up and she just kind of doesn't speak the entire time and it's just the meals and you're like this is so nice I want to live like this so it's just like those kind of things um on YouTube and food shows like that just really give me um I don't know some source of peace yeah there's like an interesting therapeutic nature to like food tv shows food internet shows where they're they're, they try to like associate calmness and serenity with food, which is sort of the opposite of like, even though I think they're really fun, but like Cutthroat Kitchen and Chop, there's a lot of like tension and conflict and like running out of time. Whereas like when you want to cook food, you want it to be like this sort of like, sort of um, like hyperbaric chamber where you can sort of like you, where you don't have to worry about anything else and you can just focus on making the food, not running out of any time. And just sort of seeing it all come together. Um, Have you guys ever like when you're like looking for like allrecipes.com and you're like, like you're looking for a recipe and like you like click on the video to like watch how they make it. And it's it's like it's it's exactly how you just described it, HT, where it's just like, like brightly lit, calming close ups, calming music, close ups of the video of the food and just like everyone. It's all like very nice and very like polished video of like how to cook like 
like a like a like a baked ziti dish and you're just like this is the soothingest thing i ever need but i just need to know like how do you cook it um but it's not distracting it's just sort of like it's it because it is filmed in such a way of like clearly denoting how to do things you're sort of taken in by like it's only in a minute and a half video but by the end of it i'm like entranced by it because it's just like oh it's food and they're like doing it and i think that's why like tasty videos really took off especially like the ones where it's literally like the time the time lapse of how to cook something because you're just seeing the creation of like a bunch of different things into something new and i think that there is something very soothing about watch like watching just something come together mm-hmm. um in with like very fun like music or no music because like you know facebook and twitter will autoplay videos and you could just watch it while you're scrolling through your phone um you know i think that these companies have really uh honed in on the social media as- um, aspect of it like you know their vi- the videos are cropped for cert for squares for instagram um yeah, like I think that we're definitely like we're in a different age than when like Food Network was the prime TV consumption of food. Um, but now we're like there's like Food YouTube, I guess Food Tube. Um, uh, uh, and so I think like it, we are like the, the all three of us have like our very own different favorite favorites. Anya, you're very much more traditional media, and HT and I are more looking at, and then even more so like. H yours is very like food blog or vi- food vlog, but then mine's very much more like this is the test kitchen. It's like still like a t- TV show, like with like the higher production value. Like we all have these like l- l- different levels of of the food TV show nice core uh, thing that we've got going on. Like and how like food is so diverse that that we so are the so are the TV shows. Yeah. Like I think that it's a really neat thing that we uh, all all really like. Yeah, because I like I think it's because we all came through it with different ways too. Because I I stumbled upon a lot of the channels I like because I was looking for recipes on YouTube and looking for recipe ideas, and then I just kind of got uh, drawn into the personalities uh, af- afterwards. Uh, versus I think that like will be you're looking for is like you know some personalities to um, to be really attracted to and to be really like uh, entertained by, and then like the food also is a nice addition to that as well so and then yeah Anya you're like I love both oh sorry um yeah well I actually think um like I think Break British Bake Off specifically was a precursor to the the YouTube food Mm -hmm. shows like I kind of think the YouTube food shows wouldn't be here or wouldn't be here as successfully without Great British Bake Off because Great British Bake Off sort of started this trend of this the sort of like ASMR like calm, very kind of nice core cooking show um, where people helped each other out and the hosts were really funny and the people were just very like humble and like adorable and there was like lovely like cinematic shots of the garden they were baking in and like the tent and it was just very soothing and aesthetically appealing. Um, and very positive. And so, and Great British Bake Off, you know, I would say took the internet by storm a couple mm. of years ago. Like it everyone did. was watching it and talking about it. And there were, there were memes all the time and, you know, articles about it all the time. And so I would sort of argue that like Bon Appetit kind of wouldn't be here the way it was without Great British Bake Off. Um, and I think that was kind of the start of this sort of like nice core 
like soothing, you know, like aesthetically pleasing like food content. Um, and while I'm not fully invested in like the YouTube, the food tube, as Willoughby put it, um, yes, I still thank definitely you, thank get... you. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. TM, TM. Um, I still definitely get why people find them appealing um, because I, I am that way with Great British Bake Off. Um, and I don't know, there's something just really lovely about watching people who are passionate about the things that they love do them and share them with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of part of why like food shows have kind of taken off because in a world that has a lot of crappy elements to it right now, at least there are these positives where people are just like, yeah, but look at what this, look at this food we can create and enjoy and share with people. And, you know, food has always been the universal language. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And it's a way to share cultures and traditions and histories. And, you know, I think that's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I actually think that's a great way to wrap up our discussion about food, food YouTube, nice core and why it is it's ht please ht it's food tube food all right food tube tm <laughs> all right uh with that let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but i need to tell you something so Willoughby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like? So you guys know I'm like a big Star Wars fan. Oh, uh, no, I never, I don't know. I never heard of that. Wait, what? Star yeah. War? So this guy, this guy named George Lucas, what? he like no. wrote, he like wrote and directed this movie called Star Wars in 1977. Um, did you I've guys know that he, he made two earlier movies named THX 1138 and American Graffiti? What? I know. George Lucas has content other than Star Wars. He is actually a multifaceted person who is not just Star Wars. What? I know. Crazy. Oh, no. I Uh, touched my face. uh, (laughs) Oh, no. Coronavirus. We're all going to die. Just kidding. Um, No. Meanwhile. uh, So, no. This is all uh, a big joke. I knew that George Lucas made two other movies. Uh, I had never seen THX 1138 before yesterday. Um, I had, I had seen American Graffiti a bunch of times. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, but I wanted to talk about the fact that, uh, George Lucas, uh, he's always been, uh, striving to make stories about people who are, uh, um, uh, trying to surpass their own societal limits and become more than, than society says they are. Um, and in THX 1138, it is the the main character trying to break free of this fascist organization a fascist government um and live above uh the underground city and american graffiti it is a bunch of these uh kids who are about to go off to college and trying to figure out their lives and it's like one last night before everything changes and trying to figure out who they are and who they are to each other and who they are to the world um and so I just really like the idea, like my really like this week is George Lucas has always been trying to tell like a very similar story across all his movies, which is about these people who are trying to become better versions of themselves. And sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail and uh, slaughter a bunch of younglings and crumble a republic into nothingness. Um, 
yeah, I mean, Anakin, Anakin Skywalker, uh, oof, oof, oofa doofa, uh, problematic fate, uh, <laughs> oofa uh, doofa. Uh, 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 big yikes at that, uh, no, he's great, but, uh, the, the, um, I just like the idea that George Lucas has always had that, uh, menta- has that story, like, racking his brain, um, and it, because it's very similar to his own life, he, uh, was supposed to, like, take over, like, his dad's, like, like car like garage like family business and he was like no i want to do bigger and better things than that and so that sort of has always uh that underlying current has always been in all his movies uh obviously empire strikes back and return of the jedi are much different than that um but like that sort of like inherent humanity in all his films has always been there which i really like i uh because i rewatched because i rewatched his two earlier films it's sort of like I was like, oh yeah, George Lucas like had things to say before he sort of cashed out and made the prequels. Um, and well, I feel like he was trying to say something in the prequels, but he also cashed out at the same time. So he was trying to he was trying to say something very much very different. It was much more about like the society at, at a at a grander at a grander level instead of like I, I mean even Anakin as a kid as a slave he's trying to break free of that. So there's that, but like. You know, I'll say I, it. I'll I, never stop saying this, but George Lucas is cut from the same cloth as like a J.J. Abrams or like a Ryan Murphy in that they are creators who have really great ideas and can recognize really great ideas, but are not always great when it comes to the execution, which is why they should primarily be producers and or directors and not writers. Um, or but... create one of the best pilot TV pilots in history and then just leave. Right. And let other yes. people do the do the work. Yes, I, I thought you be... meant Ryan Murphy with Glee, and I'm like, HT, what are you talking about? <laughs> however, however, arguably Ryan Murphy with like Pose, um, like Ryan Murphy has started to kind of take that track. But like these these men, I, I've been talking about this for so long actually now. It always comes up, but it's like these men can have really good ideas, but like it's best when they step back and let other people take the reins, who are either more diverse in them or better writers than them and because i actually think the star wars prequels have some good ideas nestled in them but unfortunately it they they all got lost in the very bad execution the atrocious execution oh it's so bad guys (laughs) um those movies are awful (laughs) Um, while 30 years earlier he made two very good movies with oh actually thx is a is a weird thing it's really well edited and really interesting but it's uh, uh, sort of it's very cold and and clinical. American Graffiti, I'd say, is his best non-Star Wars movie that he's directed, um, which is only three different types of movies. Um, but yeah, it's that it's great. It's very much like the like PG version of a super bad or a book smart, where it's not really raunchy, but it's just like these kids. They're the last night before getting ready to go off to college, like one last hurrah. And it's also very much about the nostalgia of the 60s before Vietnam War and like all the shit went down in the late 60s because it's like specifically like takes place in like 1962 because they reference like Kennedy still being alive. So like it's it's very much about like before like America radically changed um, and it's about like these kids in Modesto, California, just like trying to like have fun like one last time. Um, but it's really good. Uh, the The sound design, the score. It's all based around like the radio of the time, so like there's an actual no music. It's all either sound design of, of like the um, 
uh, of like sound effects or uh, like there's like 40 songs featured in the movie. It's like Baby Driver style where it's like just constantly old time 60s music just playing and like also interspersed with like Wolfman Jack, who was like a very popular radio DJ in the 60s, like talk like basically like the like the the score of this is uh one night in in 1962 like radio um but it's great uh everyone should watch american graffiti and uh check out thx 113 also but more so american graffiti you know what's really funny is american graffiti was made in 1973 and it takes place in the 60s mm-hmm. which was like you know 10 years ago um, and I saw a tweet, twi- a tweet recently where someone said Days and Confused was made in the 90s and was about the 70s. And if you would do the same thing now, make a movie now and bake, base it 20 years earlier, it would be like 2003. And I was like, hey, that's basically Lady Bird. So we're at that point now where we're making like yeah. <laughs> nostalgic movies 20 years ago. And it seems so recent. And uh, like, yeah. like that TV show uh, Pen15 was about like a very like around the same like time frame of like 20 years ago um and i think there was a netflix show called everything sucks which was about like the late 90s so like there's uh you know the nostalgia for the 2000s is gonna start to happen which is a real interesting uh a real interesting thing because uh that's when everything also went to shit in different ways uh but um yeah it's it's an interesting look back at history and george lucas Sorry, that was a really long, really like, but no, I really, I really like no, George really Lucas. It's great. Good. I love hearing you talk about George Lucas, Willoughby. Same. Me too. All right. Uh, with that, uh, Anya, what is your really like this week? So my really like is, whew, excuse me, this daylight savings guys is killing me. Um, my really like is Autumn DeWilde's new adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. Um, I saw it last weekend uh, at Alamo Draft House with their immersive afternoon tea experience, which was just utterly delightful and wonderful, and I could not stop smiling. Um, I'm actually seeing Emma again, again this afternoon, fo- immediately followed, um, or no, I'm watching it immediately following Invisible Man. I'm doing a double feature of those two, so that's going to be wild. Um, but this adaptation of Emma was beautiful. Um, it it was so clearly made by women, um, directed, written, the score, the editing, um, it is a stunning movie, but I think more than that, it really kind of captured Emma for me. Emma is, I'm a big Jane Austen fan for anyone who doesn't know. I've read all of her novels numerous times, um, and Emma is one of my favorites, even though Emma is likely the hardest heroine of Austin's to actually like. Um, but I think with this adaptation, Autumn DeWild really captured the the compassion in the story of Emma and that Emma, while a flawed hero, is someone who experiences humility and growth and becomes a better person by the end of the story. And, and that is why I like her so much and why I can root for her. Um, and I thought that was just beautifully captured in this film. Um, also, on a shallower note, Johnny Flynn is probably the most sexual Knightley I have ever seen, and Knightley is my favorite Austin hero of all time. I also um, so emphasize that... it by like having him introduce butt first, so which is yeah, great. Beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> stunning. I'm oh Knightley, yes. Also, the most sexual tension between Knightley and Emma I've ever seen oh in any adaptation, and like thank you, Autumn DeWild, for that. Like, is this the... it was heated. 
Is this the Paul? Is this the Paul Rudd character in Clueless? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. The uh, the Josh. Um, and uh, so by far my favorite Knightley. I think probably my favorite Emma adaptation of all time. I grew up on the Gwyneth Paltrow one, and I still have a lot of fondness for that one in my heart. Um, but this one, I think, really captured it at a really poignant moment for me in my life, and. It's just really stunning. Um, I've mentioned, I'm not going to get into it, but like I've mentioned, I've been going through some personal things lately. And I, needless to say, watching Emma last weekend was the first time I had felt truly like myself in a couple of months. Um, and I think that kind of says everything about this movie for me and uh, why it means a lot to me. And I just think it's a really stunning movie. And I know people will say all the time, like, why did we need another adaptation of this? And Yes, arguably it should be more diverse, agreed, but I think for what it is, it is really stunning, very feminist. Um, I love how many women were employed on this film and, you know, on International Women's Day, that, you know, means a lot to me. And I just think this movie is something special, even if it might be small and unnecessary, I'm still very glad that it exists. Um, for me and to show that women are great creators out there. Emma is fantastic. And um, I also agree with you about, I really like this version of Emma because it really, I think embodies Jane Austen had said that she wanted to create a protagonist that only she would like and yeah, not everyone else. Yeah. Emma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, this is definitely, Anya Taylor-Joy's Emma is definitely the meanest Emma, I think. Uh, she feels very much like, almost a modern mean girl, like very catty. Whereas before, I feel like Emma has been depicted as being sort of um, protected by her privilege. Very spoiled, very shallow, but, you know, good-hearted. And here you're like, oh, does she have a good heart? I don't even know. But then, like, you see her friendship with Harriet and – yeah, that was her name, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Harriet. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the most beautiful part. And Mm -hmm. I've told these people, like, the best part about this adaptation of Emma is – the focus on Harriet and Emma and how like at the very beginning, Emma only sees Harriet as a project by the end. Emma very much comes to see Harriet as a very like genuine companion and friend who she, you know, now respects Mm -hmm. and will defer to, um, to lead her own life. Yeah. And I think it's done very well in this movie and shows that Emma might not always be likable, but like at the end of the day, like she is still our heroine. And we can still root for her. Also, the costumes are oh, amazing. The costumes, the cinematography, some of the yeah. shots in this film are like breathtaking. I could and not, yeah. The score is like a character unto itself. It's so beautiful <laughs> and like lively. Ugh, I'm so excited to see this movie again today. I, I, I cannot get enough of this movie. Yay. Also, shout out to Bill Nye, who is hilarious in every scene that he's in. So good. So good. I'm glad you loved it, Ani. I'm so happy. I thought when I watched it, I was like, oh, he's, Ani's going to love this. So I'm happy that you liked it. Me too. All right. Um, what is my really like? I've seen some things that I like. Uh, I don't know if I would say I really like them. Mm, I have a couple things that I like. like Interesting. You know, moderately. Interesting. Let me see. Can you, well, maybe you can just say this is a, a moderately liked week and yeah. tell us a bit about some of the things. Well, I actually moderately liked uh, two, liked a lot, uh, the Ben Aff- sad Ben Affleck coaching movie. Oh, no. 
<laughs> well, it's on my mind because I saw it yesterday to review for Slash Film, uh, review on SlashFilm.com. And I was surprised by how much I liked this. Um, so this is the, if you guys probably have seen some ads for it, it's the sad Ben Affleck uh, coach movie where he is uh, an alcoholic uh, man who is drowns his, his sorrows in booze and uh, you know goes that gets a job as a coach for a struggling basketball team and that reinvigorates him and he uh, gets this this team back on his feet and it's inspirational for all and it's great but the thing is it's actually not as inspirational as it is it's actually quite muted and sensitive depiction of um, the long road to recovery and the uh, and grief and it feels very very much like a personal film for Ben Affleck. He's talked about it in the press uh, interviews leading up to this film, how you know it's very well documented his struggles with alcoholism and uh, his divorce with Jennifer Garner, but um, this one feels very much like you know he's working through these issues, but it doesn't it doesn't also it's also not just like a, a therapy exercise. It's a really interesting depiction of how. No, uh, there is work to be done in terms of like recovering, but uh, a one one ex- like win, one victory doesn't always mean the end. Which I found like a really refreshing way of approaching this kind of film, which you know has its formula, and um, uh, you know it's like it's very much like oh he helps these kids and everything, but it's not really even about like the team or the sports. Even it's about him and his 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 recovery and I I found that really uh mature and nuanced and I actually really enjoyed it and, and also Ben Affleck is phenomenal guys he's a good actor and he, this is a nice reminder of that he's really good in this movie and uh I was really affected by his performance and so the way back that the Ben Affleck sad coach movie good is that a prequel is that a prequel to the way way back <laughs> yeah maybe the, the way back the way back, the way way back, and then the way back three. Uh, <laughs> That's immediately what I thought of, and then I was like, "Oh, Sam Rockwell is in the way the way back." Oh, Sam Rockwell did a basketball movie called Winning Season, and then I was like, "Hold on," <laughs> I was like, "What is what now?" Sam um, Rockwell sadly is not in this movie. <laughs> uh, Sam Rockwell should be in every movie. He's delightful. Um, but yeah. I'm so interested in this movie now. Ben Affleck did that really interesting interview recently where he talked about how like his divorce with Jennifer Garner was like his greatest regret. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was so easy to, to kind of make fun of him and criticize him and, you know, talk about him in negative ways and then him becoming Batman and stuff. And I wonder, like, do you think there's this like new chapter in sort of Ben Affleck's life? And especially with the public and like compassion and like understanding addiction and what he went through and like, having more compassion for him as a human being just as a, instead of just as like a celebrity who I hope so we can talk I yeah uh, I I feel like this this could be a second comeback for him a second uh renaissance so to speak um but yeah I I I I think so especially because that interview he talked about how he you know he quit Batman because he was afraid that you know he would not survive if he kept going the way he was going and it was a friend who said no you you can't do this movie or else you won't like you won't be alive at the end and I thought that was a really honest uh look into what he was going through and I feel like 
you know, The Way Back kind of touches on that too. And it was a movie that he said got him interested in acting again because he did take a hiatus for the past couple of years. And um, I'm happy that he's going to be doing or hopefully that he's going to be doing movies that are like more honest to him and like maybe, um, you know, self-open to the audience as like what he's going through. So yeah, I hope so. He's It is a nice reminder that he is a good actor when he wants to be and he, he can do... You know, he can be more than the tabloid headline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you want to mention the else you moderately liked or you? Yeah. Oh, well, that, that was it. And uh, I also finished The Dragon Prince finally uh, or caught up with it. I liked it. It was good. All right. <laughs> I still need to watch that. Yeah. Same. Me too. It Me got too. surprisingly dark at the end. I was like, there was murder and like actual stabbing murder and is happening yeah. there's like blood and people getting stabbed through the chest in this children's animated show and i was very surprised but i enjoyed it um it was a nice sort of follow-up to my binge of avatar last airbender and you see some of the the it's the same creators and you can see some of like the the, the similar themes of war and the uh the effects of war as well as just like children having to step up into these roles that they're not ready for which i which is really fun in like this big fantasy context so not as good as avatar last airbender but still a solid like animated series from uh the creators of so those are my two yeah. like moderately likes of the week all right i love it i love it um so that's our episode for the week fam um if you guys have any thoughts on food shows whether traditional or on the internet that you are really liking come chat with us about them or other things you're into uh, this week, including things like revisiting directors' old movies like George Lucas with American Graffiti or new movies like Emma or The Way Back. Uh, come chat with us about all of those and more. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, and subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at HTranBui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye.